Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Get real started. How many of you guys are, are really in love with Jesus? Okay. I mean, how, how many of you guys are just churchgoers, and how many guys are actually excited about what God has done in your life? All right, so a lot of churchgoers in. All right. So uh, the, the church that, that me and my wife pastor at is called Gravetop Church. Uh, not Graveyard Church, Gravetop Church. The reason we named our church Gravetop Church is because what I've found is that a lot of people don't know why they believe what they believe. A lot of people don't understand why they're Christians. If I were to ask you today, why are you a Christian? What I've found is that most people usually say a circumstantial answer, such as, well, my life has been either really bad or my life has been really good. And either you're really desperate for God or you're really grateful for God. Um, or my, my family just always gone to church, and so that's what we do. And it's just a, 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 a scary answer because those circumstances are destined to change. And in fact, the Bible gives us um, the reason for us to put our faith in Jesus is the resurrection of him. Now, if he didn't raise from the dead, that our faith would be meaningless. And so the simplest answer for you to have of why you believe what you believe should be, I am a Christian because I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he died for me on the cross for my sins, that he rose from the dead. And since he rose from the dead, I feel like I could put my faith and trust in him. Y'all dig what I'm saying? See, that's a really simple answer, right? But most people don't get that. And so we change our name to Grave Top Church to always remember that Jesus stands on top of the grave, that he's not dead, he's alive. And the other side of that is we as Christians, we didn't just become bad people and the good people, but that Jesus gave us a new life in Christ. That We were literally dead and now we're alive in Christ. Y'all feel me? Does that feel exciting to any of y'all? Oh, okay. My, my life is probably a lot different than y'all's growing up. How many of y'all were raised in church? Okay. How many of you guys were not raised in church? Represent. You know, what's interesting is that I noticed this young man during worship, and he was the only one singing really loud. And everyone else here was raised, raised in church, and I didn't hear that much singing. Now, look, that's not to slam us. That's just to recognize that there is someone with a grateful heart here that wasn't embarrassed. And for me, I, I was not raised in church. And my, my, my story is really rough around the edges. There's a lot of times growing up where I slept outside. There's a lot of times where most of my friends were gang members. I stole a lot, did drugs, all kinds of stuff. But once I found Christ, I realized I didn't need anything else. And so my life was radically changed. But what, what is saddening to me is that when I talk to people raised in church, they're not as pumped up. And usually when I ask them, well, how'd you become a Christian? The answer is usually, well, I was kind of raised in church. It's almost like they're sorry for being raised in church. It, and that's not something to be embarrassed about. I've had people tell me, well, I didn't have like a Saul moment where like my life was radically changed. But I gave my life to Christ in children's church. And I want you to know right now that that's not something to be embarrassed about. If I had two bodies here that were dead and one has been dead for three days and one has been dead for three weeks, which one is deader? Doesn't matter. They're both dead, right? 
Well, that's what it's like for you when you gave your life to Christ. It doesn't matter how much death you were involved in, you were still dead. And now you have a life in Christ. You were saved from the grips of hell. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And so you don't have to be nervous or shy or taken back just because you were raised in church. You can be excited about your Lord and Savior. Y'all feel me? Now can we give Jesus a real hand? Yeah. So today we're going to talk about boats, tombs, and fire. Okay? How many of y'all have heard about Peter in the Bible? I like how y'all nod your heads instead of raise your hand. <laughs> Peter is one of the, the coolest people in the Bible, and he's always the most criticized. When you read about stuff Peter does, you're like, stupid. <laughs> Why would you do that, Peter? Don't you know that Jesus is going to raise from the dead? You shouldn't have denied him. And it's so easy to look at him, and we're so critical, but he's a, one of the... He's one person that I really aspire to be like in the Bible out of all the disciples. And we're going to look at this idea of what ministry, what God and all this was like for Peter. And we're going to relate it to us today. Y'all want to be like, be like Peter a little bit? Yeah. Like Pedro? And so first we're going to start with this idea of ministry, because you guys are here touring a Bible college, right? So some of you must have some idea of a Bible college in your future. Maybe you just brought here, but you're here. So just listen. Okay. And so this idea, if you're going to Bible college, it's either for one or two reasons. One reason is because you feel called to ministry. The other reason is because you have such a hard time reading the Bible that you feel like if you go to Bible college, they'll do it for you. Right. So, okay, that time you don't have to raise your hand. You can politely nod. (laughs) And so in John chapter 21, verse 6 through 8, it says, Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. This is Jesus talking to the disciples after the resurrection as they're fishing again. And I love how the NLT says, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. So this idea about ministry, this idea about ministry, the first thing you have to think about is if you feel called to ministry. If you feel called to ministry and what I love about Peter is that he's such an ordinary guy. And right now they're just doing an ordinary thing. And even in the seemingly ordinary, the moment that Jesus shows up, he leaps into unknown waters to chase after him. And when it comes to a calling for ministry, so many people are waiting for a cloud to come down from heaven And God to just reveal to you with some gold tablets and say, you're called to my child. Behold. And the truth is, sometimes a calling is is almost ordinary to your soul. It just seems like you just feel like it's what you need to do. You just feel like you see a need and you're like, well, I feel like I could do that. Sometimes you don't even really get a big emotional experience. It's just you're just out fishing And you see a glimpse of Jesus. And 
Let, and when it comes to ministry, I want to be very straightforward. There's two kinds of people. There's people who jump into the water and there's people who stay in the boat. And the people who jump into the water are usually the ones that get the first glance of Jesus. They're the ones that end up getting more, more responsibilities with God. Even when they came, when all the disciples brought the fish and Jesus said, bring in that net and bring some fish so I can make some fish stick sandwiches. It says that Peter went and brought all of the net himself. See, he was able to do more for Christ because he was just willing to show up first. And a lot of times we are in the boat waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen when because you feel like the waters, you don't know what's going to happen. For me and my wife, that's what it was like when we felt called to move to San Antonio, not knowing really anybody. It was really unknown waters for us. But we did feel deep in our heart that we were called, even though it seemed ordinary during the whole process. And when it comes to this idea of ministry, how many of you guys feel called to ministry right now? None of y'all? Okay, some shy, some shy ministry called people. So this idea about ministry, and let, I'll, I'll broaden it for church experience in general. I, I recently had a family that left the church that I pastor at. And they, I just got them to start reading the Bible, and then they started criticizing me as a pastor for different things they read in the Bible. And I told them one simple thing. I said, you have now just started tapping the surface of knowledge of God, but you haven't experienced God. And with so many of you guys that have been going to church your whole life, one thing that happens is you get flooded with knowledge of God, but you have yet to experience the greatness of God. And there's, there's so much that comes with experience. And so many people check out before they ever get any real experiences. And even when it comes to ministry, did you know that, that this statistic is a little rough, but it's about 90% of pastors say that Bible college and seminary did not prepare them for ministry. That's, that's a scary statistic for me as a pastor. But... What happens is that we get so focused on knowledge that we never get the experience of ministry. We read about miracles, but we never experience a miracle. We read about how the disciples pretty much just stood, uh, uh, made lines of people to receive food for thousands of people. Did you realize that most of the time the disciples were just handing out food? We read about that, but we, once we experience it, it doesn't feel as glorifying. And one thing that's great about CMC, one reason that I love this place as a Bible college is that they incorporate experience with ministry. I have even uh, some amazing students from this school that have come and interned at our church and, and they've been able to not only just learn the amazing things at Bible college, but they get to experience the work of ministry, the nitty gritty stuff. And they're going to be so much more ready for the real world than most other Bible college students because they're already in the, the heat of it. Do you realize that all of the disciples, when they would talk to the Pharisees, y'all know who the Pharisees are? They were the religious leaders of the time that were so educated in their knowledge of God, they didn't even recognize him though when he came in person. And it said that they trained their whole lives in the education of scriptures. 
That's an amazing thing. Education is important. But the disciples, they just spent three years experiencing ministry with Jesus. And after those simple three years of just working and doing the experience of God, they knew more than the Pharisees. When they would argue with the Pharisees, they would confound them. And the Pharisees would say, these guys have been with Jesus. See, the experience is so valuable, but it's so rare sometimes to get the experience you actually need. That's why CMC is a great Bible college to go to because you get both. And for me as a pastor, I've really relied on experience for the majority part of ministry of just jumping in the waters. And one thing that I was surprised about is how you really have to have the knowledge of the Bible, how much you really have to have the knowledge of God mixed with experience, too. See, knowledge mixed with determination is what keeps you in God, in ministry, while experience is what gets you started. Knowledge is what keeps you there. And I was actually surprised. I never expected that, that, the, most, that the most I've ever been attacked, the most I've ever been um, judged or criticized, how many questions I've had, are from people inside of church, fellow believers and Christians that are constantly trying to look at, well, what about this doctrine? What about this? What about this biblical scripture? What about this? What about that? And it's it's crazy to me that there's so many Christians that are ready to divide based off of their idea of knowledge. And that's what's amazing benefit of going to a Bible college like this is because You get to prepare yourself and equip yourself with knowledge to where you don't have to, one, be afraid of when someone attacks you. But two, when nothing is going on, you have the knowledge of to keep going. Knowledge is a powerful thing. And so this is all talking about ministry. But I want you to know that as a Christian, as a believer, we're called to ministry, not always in a church or as a pastor, as a missionary. But your lifestyle as a Christian is ministry. And so what I'm talking about, it applies to everybody. And when it, it, it's so easy to go through the motions at church. Y'all notice that? You guys should know more than anybody. Have you ever started paying attention to how many times someone says amen during their message? Oh, you guys are messed up. <laughs> you, start, you start thinking in your head, all right, this is the third song, so it should end right now. Even during worship, there can be one person that's truly engaged and they feel like they're not even here on this earth, that they're worshiping God in heaven. And you're over here thinking, are we going to Denny's after this? And see, it's so easy to get caught in the motions and grow desensitized to a passion. To where you start thinking that passion is a routine rather than an ignited soul. We're going to look at Peter again for passion. Do y'all, do y'all want to be passionate for God? Or do y'all enjoy just church going? Do y'all want to be passionate? Okay, just making sure. Because for me, that was the hardest thing for me. Once I became a Christian was once I started going to church. It was because the routine and the religion became so boring, yet so expected. And I became very angry at the thought of, a show. I hate the idea of church being a show. 
It is a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And it's not worth it. But once you find a passion in God, when you realize what Jesus has done, there's something that ignites your soul to where nothing else is satisfying to you. Peter, in John chapter 20, verse 3 through 7, it says, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. This is when they're going to go see if Jesus really rose from the dead. It said they were both running. Someone say running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped down and looked and saw that the linen wrappings were lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded and lying apart from the other wrappings. See, we're going to talk about passion for a second. First in this story, what happened is they had a revelation that Jesus was alive. They had a revelation that Jesus had died and rose from the dead. And that is where passion starts. Is the recognition that no matter how good you were growing up, you were dead. And because of what Jesus did, now you're alive. You need that revelation of the cross in your heart, in your mind. And if you feel like it's not moving to you, if you feel like your heart isn't stirred when you think about Jesus on the cross then you need to do a heart check. You may not even really have a relationship with him. Because when my wife makes a sacrifice for our marriage, it moves my heart. When I bring my wife home flowers, it moves her heart. When I have an action of any kind, or she does, from me, it moves our hearts to fall more in love with each other. And the fact that the biggest action of all, of Jesus dying on the cross, does not get you going anymore, then you've grown desensitized to the greatest truth on earth. And you've convinced your very soul that it is not as meaningful as it once was. Every day that we're alive is a greater reason of why Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was meaningful for us. Not just because we get to breathe and be alive again, but because of all the stuff that we go through, all the stuff that you go through that you deal with, Jesus says, I'm still here for you, baby. I'm still here for you. I got you. I would do it all again just for you. You you need that reflection for a moment. That reflection that Jesus brutally died because he loves you. That God wanted to be with you so much that he's willing to make a way for you through his own death. You have to have an an acknowledgement when it comes to your life that you can't compare to other people. Notice how it says, John wrote this, and he's the one that outran Peter. That just shows that they were good friends, right? Like, and I did beat him. (laughs) That's right, I was faster. But see, what it shows deeper is that you as a Christian, how many times have you looked at someone else in their walk with Christ or in their abilities And you felt intimidated and insecure with yourself. Right? Well, they're really good Christians. I'm just trying to make it. I'm barely, I I don't know. I just know the motions. I'm not really on fire like that. And what you have to understand is that it has nothing to do 
life, this world, ministry or not, has nothing to do with you comparing yourself to somebody else. What it does have to do, what's a major part, is your pursuit, even still. Even though John showed up first, he didn't go inside the tomb. You know why? Because for the Jewish people in that culture, it makes them unclean to be in the presence of a dead person. And so he reserved himself to wait outside rather than making himself ceremonially unclean. And also, it's kind of just inappropriate, right? Just go into a a tomb like that. You just go in a graveyard and just like start walking over graves. No, it's kind of just weird and inappropriate. But see, Peter doesn't even care. He doesn't care about how he's going to be viewed. And he doesn't care that he got there second. He was willing to pursue Jesus at any means. And while others may wait at the entrance of the tomb, you have to decide for yourself if you're willing to, willing to really step in. It doesn't matter your age when it comes to pursuing God. And I, I've... Can I say like a a belief that I have? One of my beliefs is that youth ministry today has ill-equipped students for their real life as Christians. Because we've been feeding as youth pastors a dumbed-down message of the gospel to our students. A message that we think that you can handle. But if you can understand chemistry, if you can learn about world geography or what a paranomial is, then you can understand the simplicity of Christ. That God made it simple for you. And if you're there thinking for even just a moment, well, I'm too young to really take this seriously. I'll get serious when I'm older. You, you are selling yourself short. You are missing out. I, I've, I've heard so many church up, 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 I don't know the words I'm trying to say. I've heard so many people that were raised in church that start leaving church because they want to experience what life is like outside of church. And I once had a pastor, a friend of mine talk to me and he just told me about how they were closing down the church, his church and that. They're actually excited about it, though, because they spent their whole life in church. They kind of wanted a break from having life inside of church. Maybe you've thought that to yourself at one point, like, man, it'd be nice to not have to go to church just for like a couple months or just one week and off. Let me tell you from the outside in. That I was raised in the world. My parents never took me to church. They didn't care where I was growing up. And I've seen what darkness is like. I know what it's like to live in the world. And all of the pleasures that seem enticing to you are insatiable. Coming from a life of doing drugs, drinking, having all kinds of sinful acts in my life, wickedness. Every single thing that I tried was insatiable and I always had to do it more. And it always promised to please me and give me peace to my soul. But instead, I always felt in prison and like I didn't have enough. And this guy is telling me about how we just want to take a little bit of time off. And I'm thinking, man, if you 
if you only knew how much harder it is to be raised in darkness, you'd be so much more grateful for being raised in the light. You should be grateful that you were raised in church. You shouldn't look at it as a, as, as a stain on your testimony. You should be overwhelmingly grateful that you did not have to rough it out there on the streets. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And you are not too young to take God seriously. You, you need to, if you feel like it hasn't been going for you, if you feel like it hasn't been this fiery experience, like this passion, then what I think is that you haven't stepped in the tomb yet. Because when you step in the tomb, that's a very personal place to be with God. It's personal. It's deep. Did you know that all of this, almost all of the Psalms in the Bible, it's like poetry, like, uh, like prayers being made to God. And these are, most of them were written by David. And when you read through these Psalms, and even when you look at other people of the Bible that are like famous guys of the Bible, favorite, favorite, uh, famous guys and gals, what made them exceptionally close to God was not that they were exceptionally holy or great even, was the simple fact that they were willing to be transparent with God. Did you know that David, he writes some prayers out such as, God, I'm going through this really hard thing right now. And my enemies are just pursuing me without cause. Now, Jesus would tell us to forgive, right? To love thy enemy. Well, David, he writes, God, I want you to kill my enemies. In fact, I want you to kill their children, too. I don't know if you've ever prayed something like that, but that's like crazy. He says, don't even forgive their sins, God. I hate them. And, and to know that God loved David because he's willing to be that transparent, even with his anger. What if you started trying to pursue Jesus in a transparent way like that? To where you were actually real with him in your prayers. Where you would actually express your disappointments and talk to God about it. Rather than wearing your Sunday suit in your prayer. Oh, God, Father, God, thank you, Father, God. Yes. Father, yes, thank you. You're good and um, continue to help me through this day. Stop making those those prayers that don't make sense. It's like when we eat, like, God, let this be nourishment to our bodies. That's already going to happen. That's like saying, God, let us let gravity pull us down to the earth today. Let's just keep us here. The reason that you don't know what to say in your prayers is because you've ran out of the ordinary, routine, bland, fake prayers and you don't know what to say anymore. Be honest and real with your creator. Does he not know you more than anybody else? Nothing's hidden anyway, so just talk to him. Go into the tomb. And the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is responsibility. I'm going to read y'all what Pentecost was like for Peter. In Acts 2, starting in verse 1 through 4, and then we're going to jump down to 14. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, 
There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Then, out of all the people there, Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Peter was the only one out of all these people that was willing to just step forward. He didn't wait for somebody to give him a permission to reflect Jesus. Just like he didn't wait for permission to jump in the water. Just like he didn't wait for permission to go into the tomb. He saw this idea of Jesus. And their opportunity to share this truth with others. And he didn't wait for someone to give him permission. And you, as young believers, it is time for you to stop waiting for permission to get the Holy Spirit. To act on the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't need permission to to chase after God. In fact, you have a responsibility to. A lot of us want this Pentecost moment to happen in our lives. We read this and we think, well, God, that's what, see, that's what I need. I just need, I just need a fresh word from you. I just need, I just need like a fresh experience. I need like to go to a conference, get prayed for. I just need something fresh from God. It said that they were there praying for days. Waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. It didn't just happen. And we've been, you've been just waiting and waiting and waiting for God to move in your life. But He's already moved. When He died on the cross, when He rose from the dead, He's, he's already got it started. It's in your court. It's time for you to take responsibility because you're not too young. If you can manage an Instagram account, You can manage the Holy Spirit in your life. You dig what I'm saying? If you're able to play Fortnite and build and and kill at the same time, I can't do that. I can't build on top of people like that and then dance. That's so much responsibility. There's no way I could do that. And so don't tell me for a second that you can't manage a relationship with God in your life because it takes a significant amount less of energy than all the other things you do. Y'all dig what I'm saying? You have a responsibility and you got to stop blaming others for the lack of God in your life. If me as a person not raised in church 
Not with any Christian family to help me or edify me or encourage me. You know, when I was, after I gave my life to Christ, I had to hide the times that I was fasting. When I fasted, I tried to hide it from the people I lived with. And you have an opportunity to where if you did something like that, your family would be so proud of you. People would encourage you. You get a pat on the back. There you go, kiddo. And yet you're just dragging your feet and waiting for someone to tell you how to experience God in your life. We live in one of the most wicked times in the history of mankind to where sin and evil is accessible right on your phone, that you carry a gateway to hell in your pocket at all times. And what's What's amazing, though, is that it's also a time where the word of God was most readily available than ever in the history of the world. That it is even free to you. What are we doing with with our opportunities? How much longer are you going to go on shucking responsibility from your shoulders when God has come to you and given you a, a moment, a choice, a chance? And you keep putting it off. It is our duty as believers to grow inwardly with the Spirit of God. I'm going to close with this. For me, when I, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, how many of you guys have been baptized with the Holy Spirit? A couple of you guys? How many of y'all know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is? All right, the same people that raise their hands. <laughs> See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what makes this engagement to Christ so amazing. To where the Holy Spirit even prays for you when you don't know how to pray. It, it's, like, it's like the moment where you actually put the ring on your finger. I feel like Jesus, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you're engaged to him. And whether you're wearing your ring or not, you're his. But when you get baptized and when you get baptized by the Holy Spirit, it's like putting on your engagement ring, your wedding ring. And it's a reflection of Jesus's commitment to you. And it shows to the world that you belong to somebody. And I I just want to share this last story because I feel like it's meaningful to you guys who've been raised in church. In the moments that you've been waiting for someone to pray for you, the moments that you've been waiting to hear the right message to come along, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to wait for that, that you can pursue it on your own. And for me, the way that I found the baptism of the Holy Spirit, first, I gave my life to Christ from reading the Bible for the first time. I was a senior in high school, 2009, I started reading through the Bible on my own, and Jesus came alive to me in the book of Leviticus. And I read about all the sins and the, the, the sacrifices they had to make for their sins. And I thought, man, well, that must be why Jesus died on the cross. I never really knew that. So I gave my life to Christ there at the dining room table by myself. A couple months later, someone finally invited me to church. They told me later that they never thought I would keep going to church, that they were just doing it because they felt like they had to. I ended up becoming a youth pastor at that church. And it was a couple months afterwards, I 
at the church. They started praying for baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even know what that was. I hadn't read that far yet. But they said, if you want that, come up to the front. And I remember thinking in my head, well, I don't have any idea what that is. But if it's going to bring me closer to God, then I want it. And so I went up to the altar, lifted my hands. And I was, I was just worshiping. And this lady came up and she started praying over me in tongues. Y'all ever hear someone praying in tongues before? She was going at it. She was like, ah, bah, bah, hey, shanakata. I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but... And I remember, I, I, I didn't have any idea what she was doing, but I thought, I'm not going to do that. That's silly. It's ludicrous. She's outright insane. I'm not going to be one of those cult members. And so I just smiled and kept worshiping. And I didn't, didn't, even, didn't even give it a second thought. But that night, I went home, and I started just really thinking about it. My heart was being moved. And stirred, And I thought, man, if there's an opportunity... For me to get closer to God, why wouldn't I take it? I don't even understand this thing, but why would I not want to take it? So I remember reading about uh, in Acts and reading this, these verses here. I thought, well, I mean, it's in there like that, I guess. And I got on my knees and I started praying. I started praying. I said, God, I don't know what this is. And I don't understand it at all. But if it's going to bring me closer to you, then I want it. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I need this. I want it if it's going to bring me closer to you. And I didn't have that cloud come down like I talked about at the beginning. I didn't have all of a sudden Archangel Gabriel in the room like, good job, my child. I now pronounce thee baptized with his fire sword. But I thought, well, maybe, maybe I just could jump in the water. And I'll just get things started. That lady said, ah, bah, bah. So I'll just try saying that. And I said, ah, bah, bah. And all of a sudden, at that moment, with this small, tiny ounce of faith, of just feeling like I was going to sound stupid, I was willing to sound stupid. And I just tried it. And I felt the baptism of the Holy Spirit come all over me. I felt a rush in my soul. And I went, ooh, ah, bah, bah, bah. And I got excited about the Lord. And I started praying in tongues. And that, those moments that I shared with you guys, those were moments in my room by myself. Those were not moments at conferences. Those were not moments with trips with youth group. Those weren't even at church. See, that pursuit, it happens on your own personal level. And if you don't pursue it, you're not going to find it. I want you all to stand up with me. And I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. And I want you to think about what I'm talking about. Because I don't know about you, but it was not very long that I grew tired of the mundane churchianity. Of just trying to dress cool at church. Everyone is calling me brother and they don't even know my name. I got so tired. Of the show. And if there's any part of your soul that is not hard, any part of your heart that is just a little bit soft still, then it would be tired of the show too. The show that you've been putting on. 
And if you're here and you're ready to say, Jesus, I'm done with the show. I want to pursue you. With every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to just lift up both of your hands. Amen. Amen. I want you to just start praying to God right where you're at. I want you to start saying, God, soften my heart. Because I have grown so desensitized to your spirit. I don't even recognize if you're in the room or not. You're described as having eyes like fire. And I feel like I'm staring at a blank canvas. There's nothing that is moving my heart anymore. My eyes are dry. And my heart is hard. I don't even know the last time I've weeped in your presence. But God, I surrender to you right now. And God, I want you to have your way in my life. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to see the blood dripping down from the cross. I want to know why I believe what I believe. I'm tired of the ordinary. I need the Spirit of God to live in me. I can't take it anymore. All the times I thought of death after church because I didn't feel anything. I can't take it anymore. I need my heart to burn with a fire that is passionate with you. I'm tired of being anxious. I'm tired of being depressed at church. I needed an experience of the one true God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. If that's all I got, then give me it, God, because I need to get closer to you. Lord, you see every heart here. You see the sincerity. You see the genuineness of a group of young people. There's some of you here. No one has noticed you. You you seem so ordinary and you feel it. You feel overlooked and you feel like you're never going to make it to something special. And right now, God is saying, I have seen you, my child, from the very beginning. Not one moment were you overlooked. What? Not one moment did I not see you. God, I have your way in your young people today, right now. And I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the fire of God to come over your children and let them cast out the idea that they are too young to have a move of God in their life. That they are too young to experience the power of your Holy Spirit. And show them right now that this is real. Cover them in your presence and your, and your grace. I want you to keep praying. Keep praying. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.